The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide with uh, with Howard Linsky in the, the, the hot seat this time. Um, the highly acclaimed local author of note, uh, a distinguished author, Howard Linsky. Thank you. I think you've got all of the contractually obliged phrases in there, Danny. Well done. <laughs> uh, uh, I know that the order is important as well, uh, according yeah. to the lawyers. I like the way you've written it on the back of your hand, just to give you a prompt. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what we do uh, with the old film guide is uh, we look at the the host, uh, and in this time our intrepid guide is, is none other than, yes, distinguished author, Howard Linsky. <laughs> and uh, we, we look at Howard's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead, looking at the, the, the ones worth watching, because there are... Bucket loads of movies on the telly all the ones. time. Some good ones this and time as well, yeah. It's working your way through them so you don't inadvertently get stuck watching a Hallmark movie or something. Yeah, indeed. I'm sure yeah. some of those are good. And we didn't mean to offend any of our Hallmark-loving listeners, did we? But they are usually not that great. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the movie's not the listeners, you know. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's basically um, one story, isn't it, every time? I think so, Hallmark yes. ones? Yeah, 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 they're all basically <clears throat> one story. A woman but, who has to choose between her career and leaving the city to go into the country and you know have a romance or whatever it is yeah. oh dear me, me I not that i've ever watched any of them you understand but they're sometimes on in the background in our house or they were when my daughter was smaller sure um honestly yes yeah. my daughter yeah it's all her fault yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even have a daughter he keeps blaming us <laughs> on, on some fictional entity anyway uh yeah so we look at the 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 films worth watching on free to air tv for the week ahead howard also chooses another film that is in his opinion too good to be forgotten uh, or oh hang on a minute we used to do that with an effect a film that is indeed too good to be forgotten there you go uh, so, so we've got one of those coming up but before all that let's look at uh, some releases on the streaming services and in the cinemas uh, one biggie in the cinema this week isn't there yes there is and I'd pity anything else that was potentially going to go neck and neck with it but uh, it's going to be everywhere Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So it's the third and the final movie in the series, which is part of the MCU. Uh, and without checking your notes, do you know how many MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe movies there have been, including this one? I think it's over 30 now, isn't it? I was going to say 304, but it's 32, <laughs> 32nd film in the Marvel series. To be fair, many of them are very good. One or two of them have been a bit bit, bit duff, but the early I've buzz lost, on this one I've is, lost is interest quite in good. Them now. Yeah. I, I, it's too I know. Ma- it's too many. I know. I can't I have keep a bit. up. And then the TV stuff, and then people keep saying, oh, "Yeah, but you've got to watch that before you watch this." And yeah, they, oh, no, no. I'm not. Oh, they yeah. really have milked it, haven't they? I mean, the TV spin-off things. Uh, you know, people, characters coming back to life all the time and getting series and all this. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, and I'm sure that. It's it's really not fair on the more recently released movies because one of them was Oscar nominated. You know the the, the Black Panther two or whichever one it oh, was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It's just it's just a lot. And and yeah, I, it is. to me, it is. like superhero growing up, superheroes were the Hulk, were Spider Man. <laughs> you know, of of their stable. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and and it was um, <clears throat> Thor. I sort of heard of, and you know, these people they don't seem to be making the movies about the ones that I've heard of. No, that's true. I think Ant Man. Ant Man. I mean, well, there's a naff superhero, isn't there? Really, I mean, I mean, it just sounds a bit Ant Man. Yeah, bit weak, doesn't it? And I just look at him every time I see that guy. I was like, yeah, he used to be Phoebe's boyfriend in Friends, and yeah. he's still around. He still looks no older. Yeah, that's his superpower. He still looks about thirty. And he? what's really blatantly unfair is how uh, he played in a movie opposite Michelle Pfeiffer, where she was his love interest, and now she plays his mother-in-law. Oh my god, that's it's Hollywood like Sally Field. You know, <clears throat> in, yeah, yeah. in an early Tom Hanks movie, was his love interest, and then 
went on to play his mother. Yep. Yeah. You know, it, it, it really the way that that women are treated in Hollywood is is, is terribly terribly there is like unfair. Cut off points at any given time. One minute they're playing the the, the leading lady, the next minute they're the mom yeah. of the teenager. And you yeah. go, well, how did that happen? That's a bit of a leap. Yeah, it? and it's you know, but, mom. <laughs> but I mean, but focusing purely on Guardians of the Galaxy, yes, yes. It, it because in a way, from what I remember. It sort of was standalone within this universe. Yeah, kind of. I mean, they, they, do, they did appear universe. in the end game thing. So what I did watch that. So this yeah. is, you know, my, my fictional teenage daughter that we mentioned earlier. Um, <laughs> I'm actually probably not going to watch this one because she's going with a mate. She's reached that age. You know, oh. just, so I'll have to go and watch it on my own or, or borrow a teenager. Is that even legal? Probably I, I, not. I, it sounds like that's yeah. abduction. And, uh, I think it does that, a bit. This could go horribly wrong. But yeah. anyway, back to the movie in question. They were... It's pretty much standalone for most of the time. They have been in, in the Avengers final two movies, the one where the guy did that and half the universe vanished. Yeah. Um, and uh, But they have their own movies, and this is the third, meant to be the final one. The trailer's got things like, who's going to come on a final ride with us and da 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 and you know issues are going to be resolved I did um, actually read a bit about the plot and then I thought no I'm going to give up on this because if I try and recount the first few paragraphs of plot I'm just going to lose you or give you spoilers but basically they're on a mission to protect Rocket um, who's played by Bradley Cooper um, oh he's voiced by him isn't he Yeah. oh is it not really him in a little suit oh I didn't really <laughs> well it's just yeah, played voiced by yes you're absolutely right that is, a, that is just a in case people go along for yeah. thinking oh I'd I love didn't to see, see that see him yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you will see Chris Pratt though and you'll also see Zoe Saldana Dave Bautista um, Karen Gillan Vin Diesel no, you'd, no Vin Diesel's a voice as well uh, yeah okay you'll, see, you'll hear yeah. his voice yeah uh, Bradley Kipper we've mentioned Will Poult is in this one okay. um, and Elizabeth Debicki uh, who you'll recognise from other stuff and uh, Sylvester Stallone as well so they're all jumping on board for this, this last one and in the last one I think Sylvester Stallone turned up near the end yeah was it the last Guardians you turned up near the end or was it something else I can't remember no I think it was perhaps it, perhaps it was a, right and at the end. also Kurt Russell yeah. appeared near the end ah, and right. I was great Tango and Cash are back together that's ah. <laughs> all I was thinking because Kurt Russell played uh, Chris Pratt's dad didn't he in one of them I believe that was, I think the, was second the second one, one. Yeah. he was like a god I yeah. mean, he was a god I think and uh, they had a bit of a falling out yeah. yeah do you know an interesting well I think it's an interesting subplot of Guardians of the Galaxy it's partly the reason why cassettes are back did you know that cassettes are back? Yeah, it's a thing. All yeah. of a sudden, it's like cassettes are, you know. Um, and I love this idea that a, a generation that grew up, obviously way younger than me, grew up on everything being downloadable and nothing being physical. All of a sudden, they want physical stuff. And uh, I've got a, a nephew who's got a camera with thirty-five millimeter film, apparently. And I'm, I'm almost like, what's the point? But that is the point. It's you're actually doing something, physically holding something. And cassettes are partly back because Guardians, and he has his little Walkman thing. And uh, yeah, people like them, and they can carry them around. They're quite portable. They're yeah. better than vinyl for that. Because for for those who 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 don't know but do care, which is probably almost no one, but because well. if you know, you already care. And if you don't know, it's because you don't care. But nonetheless, I will explain. Because with Guardians of the Galaxy, part of the premise is, is that they're in a far a far flung corner of the universe, but and they're all aliens except for Chris Pratt, who's human and was abducted from Earth at a very young age, and. 
um, and then sort of fostered by an alien and, and, and raised, but, but always had this hankering to, he wanted to go back to Earth, he wanted to go and find his, his family and, and, and all this. But all he had of Earth was what he had on him when he was like a nine-year-old boy in the 80s, which was included a Walkman with a cassette tape, yeah. which had a mix on it. And the music on it was, was the basis of the soundtrack of the first movie and was phenomenal. And it, it was is. great. There was some <coughs> and, great and a stuff whole on new there. generation of kids including my daughter got into this music and yeah. I, you know i find myself going what well, i was 11 when that came out you know and yeah even an old git like me can recognize stuff yeah elo for goodness yeah. sake is on there hooked on a feeling hooked on a feeling is yeah, it blue yeah, blue suede were they called blue suede oh i can't remember the name of the band but right. yeah hooked on a feeling we've been playing that in the car because yeah. we, we are old-fashioned so we have yeah. cds and things like that in the car and, and um brandy and- uh the one about uh brandy who's the uh woman in the bar who Dolls out whiskey and wine. Do you know that one? Ah, oh, vaguely. I'm not going to sing it because I can't yes. sing. Yeah. But anyway, look it up. It's very old. Yes. So, so, so all this sort of like niche, sort of early '80s stuff. You know, they really captured something there. Ran around the same time that Stranger Things was also d- doing that sort of love yeah, letter to Kate the Bush '80s as well. And, you know, so so it's all uh, yeah, and, and that's part of the success of Guardians of the Galaxy, and also because it didn't rely upon because it was set in a different corner of the universe literally um, it didn't rely on you having to know all the backstory of Iron Man and, and, and yes. Ant-Man and yes the only one they really encounter I think is Thor doesn't he pop in every now and again with them possibly yeah, yeah. at yeah. one point he's almost going to take over the ship and Chris Pratt's like it's my ship yeah oh, you puny little man you know <laughs> <laughs> but but yes and, and so that you know the first movie was 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 such a big hit and such yeah. fun and, and it didn't rely on you knowing about the rest of it all and then the second movie was building upon that yeah well, it was a bit not sure it was quite as good no. but it was very funny in places it as was, well yeah, yeah. and and yeah. the third one I guess promises to be more of the same yeah and tying up loose ends and having a final hurrah Unless they go for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4, 5, 6, and 7. Or Volume 4 will be a reboot <laughs> origin story or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> w- one of the things that, that interests me as well with all this is that Nathan Fillion, uh, who's an actor who's on... Um, he, he was Castle on TV for many years. He was the um, the crime author who used to help the NYPD solve crimes every week. Oh, right. And, yes. and was also in... There's another thing on now called The Rookie, where he plays like the world's oldest rookie cop. Oh, right. And, and um, yeah, he's... he's of, he's he's been in every one, but in like in a very subtle sort of way. So I think he might be in the voice of something in one. Ah. And then when they did some sort of flashback onto Earth, he was a movie star, and he's he was on a poster like when they walk right. past the cinema. So so that's how he was in it. You know. The, oh, you, I'm with you. Uh, and 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 I think they've somehow brought that back each time, and he's been featured. And I gather he's 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 in it again. I will because he's friends with the director James Gunn. Ah, uh, right. Yes, yes. The guy who was. Fired, then rehired by Disney over tweets, old tweets. Yeah, they kicked him off Guardians of the Galaxy, and the cast rebelled a bit, and then they brought him back. So, yeah, which yeah, it's was... funny how some people get cancelled and others don't, and I suppose it depends what he texted about or tweeted about, rather than not texted. Well, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. the context of it, I guess, mm. is important, but also I don't know. It's sometimes a, this cancel culture. Do we forget about forgiveness? Yeah, I think he was very contrite, and I'm not entirely certain what it was he was tweeting about, although I did read a little bit about it, but I would be guessing. Yeah. But uh, but I shall also have to check out Castle, you said it was called, yeah? because Oh, um, yeah, it ran that, for years. As a crime writer, that happens to me all the time. The Met Police are forever ringing me up with crimes they can't solve to get me. You've written a book. Come on. What do you, it was kind of a, is? It was kind of a sexed up <laughs> version of Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> but but yeah, he was this 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 you know I can see all the parallels already. But he was Obviously. this sort of dashing looking um, crime writer who was ah, something all, of a 
sure they are. They won't let us publish unless yeah. we're actually looking. One of the great <laughs> things in Castle was he often used to have a poker game, which is a recurring thing, with other real crime writers. So he'd be sat oh, around a poker right. table uh, with with Michael Connolly and with with a few other um, famous writers of of his wow. sort of genre. And it was there was always a running joke. I think it was about Stephen King. There was always a like, oh, King hasn't turned up again. Or ah. and, and and I think he, he, the fictional Rick Castle had a rivalry with Stephen King, Brilliant. and and they you know, didn't like each other. And and yeah, so th- there was lots of like in jokes if you were if you were into that genre of writing I'll, as well. I'll definitely have to check this out. Although obviously I'm sulking that I was never invited to come and play poker on the show. You know, <sighs> if it had gone for quite, that, that, quite not made it. You yet, see, you know? one of the many things that was robbed from not having its ninth season. I'm sure. I uh, probably penciled me in for the ninth. It, season. I, I would yeah, have yeah. imagined it would I have been imagine. the case. But no, you, you'd love it. You'd have to look it out. <laughs> I'll check it's, it out. It's on all the time. I'm sure all you right. a five star or one of those channels probably show it daily. Right. Um, and I think it might even be on Prime or one of the other streaming services. I think you'd like it a lot. And if you don't know already who I'm talking about you would seem to oh him because yes. he's in a lot of stuff right gotcha you've got Any- one of those faces we, we do that a lot with character actors don't we like, oh it's him what's his name he's in everything and yeah yeah at least these days you can google the guy and not so he was also in the Suicide Squad oh yeah movie recently yes, yes. as one of the because that movie the most recent one it started out with a whole load of them that all got killed very early on in a quite funny way. And I think he was one of the ones that, that, that bought the farm quite early in the movie. <laughs> but was being advertised as like one of the main stars of it. And then boom. And w- was that not James Gunn as well? Or have I completely I made that up? No, I think it was. That's probably how he got the part, I guess, because he's, uh, like you said, they're mates. Yeah. And, but and yes, I'm sure he did do that. And I know J- James Gunn, the, 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 sort of the guy behind Guardians of the Galaxy, has gone on now to be... He's, he's been... Headhunted by DC, hasn't he? By the ah. by, the rival um, gone over to the other side. Yeah, yeah, because he's rather famously is the guy who fired Henry Cavill as Superman after oh. they had him in a post-credit scene teasing that he will be in the next Superman movie. Right, and then they've they've gone back on that, and there's a lawsuit at the moment because somebody's <clears throat> suing to say that that that's you know false advertising. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> I gather they they ain't going to get anywhere on that. But. No, I wouldn't have thought so. I was like, I, I, you know, let's let's consider damages. You've won the case. How damaged were you by the fact that this guy is not in the next movie? You know, has it ruined your life? Not really. Yeah, so, some ruined some, your day. Maybe not even that. Well, really. yeah, quite. But but anyway, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy three. It's out on the fifth of May, and I guess if you like the others, you're going to love it. A fair assessment. I think so. Yeah. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week, I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Let's look at releases on the streaming services. And there are two to mention, both on Prime Video, both out on the 5th of May. Let's start off with, um, I, I gather this could have been a headline for you, couldn't it? This first one. Indeed. 
Yeah. Reminis- no, it's the other one. Be- beautiful disaster. A beautiful disaster. I've often been described thus. <laughs> but yeah, this is a strange one. So it's described as a romantic drama film, and um, it's set primarily on a college campus, apparently. And I've seen the trailer, and it's bonkers. Um, so a student, uh, as in a, a female student, um, called Abby Abernathy, who's played by Virginia Gardner, um, gets invited to an underground event at, uh, you know, off-the-wall event at college, and it's basically a fight club. So I, I've written down here, it's like a fight club meets a rom-com. And in this fight club, she meets um, Travis Maddox. There's a name for you. Um, played by Dylan Sprouse, uh, which is another interesting name. He spends his nights fighting in underground boxing matches. She happens to turn up and watch one of these, which seems to be a little bit out of her comfort zone. Um, by day, he is the good-looking college charmer of the campus, you know, that all the girls like. Uh, they have a kind of, uh, you know, they're not going to get together dynamic where he keeps trying to uh, sort of seduce her and not getting very far, but she obviously finds it very attractive. And then he offers her a bet, which sounds a little bit sketchy to me. Um, if he loses his next fight against a really big dude that she meets, he's got to remain sex-free for a month. If he wins, she has to live in his in his apartment for the same amount of time. Guess what happens? Uh, yeah, so she has to live in his apartment for a month. Sure, and, surely uh, the, yeah. the, the surest way he could remain sex-free for a month is to marry someone. <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment. But yeah, anyway, it's a rather strange premise. And it was written by uh, a controversial author. Aren't we all controversial? But this is another one who's uh, been brought to prominence because of Twitter and comments made that are a bit on the far right side, or at least on the Republican extreme right, um, about things like vaccinations and race and, you know, whether Antifa are as bad as the Ku Klux Klan, etc. So she's become a kind of um, fairly controversial figure. That's uh, Jamie Maguire. So when this movie was announced, there was uh, yeah the usual inevitable Twitter storm, which probably quickly abated. But anyway, bonkers-looking movie. Um, I guess it's meant to be mostly romantic, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of drama. But it's yeah, if you if you imagine Fight Club rewritten as a rom-com, this is it. So you know, check it out or not, as the case may be. Okay, uh, that's um, that's the film uh, uh, "Beautiful Disaster" that's out uh, on the fifth of May on Prime Video. Another one you're mentioning, uh, which it, it says here on your notes, actually came out two years ago. Yes, no, there's a reason for that. Uh-huh. Two years ago it was in the middle of the COVID thing, obviously. You know, remember that? <laughs> and uh, I think it got largely overlooked. And I was going to check it out at the time, but. It's one of those, it almost did that old-fashioned straight-to-video thing because of what was going on in the world. So I don't think it got much of a cinematic release over here. I think it did in America, maybe. But um, it's called Reminiscence. It's an American neo-noir science fiction thriller. And what was intriguing about it is it um, it works on the premise of the exploitation of memory and nostalgia. It's got Hugh Jackman in it, um, so obviously a big star. got Rebecca Ferguson, who's always very good. Tandaway Newton, as I used to, used to think was Thandie Newton, but it turned out it was Tandaway, is it? Newton? Anyway, Thandie Newton, you remember her, she's very good. Um, and it's about a man who can use a machine to see people's memories. So it's set in a post-apocalyptic type world where there's been flooding and war, and as a result, people like to live in the past. And he, in particular, wants to know what happened to uh, the enigmatic woman that he was previously involved with. Now, I should say, despite that being a very interesting premise, and the trailer looks quite good, uh, it was a massive box office bomb. 
It had a $54 million budget and grossed $16 million at the box office. Oh. Ouch. Now, if you throw in marketing money as well, that's probably a $100 million bath. Yeah, uh, overall, you know, if, like if not minus. more, especially with some of those stars in it, that that, that yeah. would have, um, you know, they, they would have been doing all the. Well, if you imagine, that, and... I mean, these days they talk about you know doubling the budget, don't they? Sort of fifty-four million becomes one hundred and eight, mm. and it grossed sixteen. Uh, that's going to have to get a lot of streamings on Amazon Prime to pay for that one. Are you getting a backhander <coughs> for mentioning it? Yes, yes. I, so the only reason I do this is all the backhanders I get from film <laughs> companies. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You know, I, I'm not cheap, obviously. Yeah, but uh, but no, I just. I thought, the, I thought the premise was intriguing, but clearly maybe the delivery won't live up to that. I haven't seen it, but uh, it's an interesting idea. And uh, the idea that you would live in your memory because of what was going on around you wasn't very pleasant. I thought it was quite interesting. I like post-apocalyptic mm. movies, but they don't always deliver. Some do, some okay. do not. Well, I mean, it's you know, a good cast, and, and that, that probably would elevate a really poor movie to being an average movie. And if it's got yes. an interesting premise <clears throat> yeah. and a good cast, then then that might be worth a watch. So that's yes, a reminiscence. I so. um, I'd read a thing about, I'm going to call her Tandy Newton. Um, yeah, good uh, idea. <laughs> because, so it would seem that her name has been a typo for many years. Yeah. And you... and there's a W at the end of, of her Christian name, oh, at yes. which, and so it looks like it would now be pronounced Tandui Newton. Tandui, oh, right, oh, okay. I th- yeah. uh, but, but to be honest, I've not heard how it's pronounced no. now. I always knew her as Tandy Newton and all the different things she's a British actress who's been yeah. in a lot of things over the years ever since flirting from years ago when she did that her and Nicole Kidman were I think teenagers when they did that so I've been aware of that for a long yeah. time and love her stuff she's really really good and on TV she was in um, ER for a while she played oh. the main person's sort of on-off girlfriend uh, d- d- um, the, John Carter that was the sort of the main doctor that was in it for oh, right. however long and then more recently uh, Westworld. Westworld on yeah. TV as well and Line of Duty she was in of yes. course and all these other things but but yeah I, I, I'm sure I, I saw something of an interview or read something of an interview where she kind of said she's eventually decided she wants to reclaim her actual name yeah after years of having it uh, yeah and I think it started as a typo and she Ooh. felt she was nowhere near big enough to correct people you know and it was too yeah. late it was already put on something and so she was told she has to stick with it because otherwise you know she changes it people she'll lose any well she's like a brand she, but, yeah I well suppose. yeah actors are brands yeah. aren't they so you, yeah. you spend ages trying to get people to remember your name and then you know all of a sudden it's well actually it's wrong yeah uh, JK Rowling has that issue because a lot of people call her JK Rowling and it's rolling apparently, but she just can't be bothered to correct thousands of people. So either way, she's fine with it. I saw we? a lovely clip recently of David Bowie. Oh yeah, and uh, and he's being interviewed. I think it must have been on the something like the Big Breakfast from a very long time ago, and it was I think it was Lisa Tarbuck interviewing him, and she said she goes so she goes is it Bowie or Bowie? And he went yeah. <laughs> and that was as Fair much enough. as he was going to go and then yeah. he said he goes well for you. he says I've always said Bowie and then he said I went to Scotland and they all said Bowie and now I don't yeah. know anymore I think going back many many years ago there was the Bowie knife and the Bowie Jim Bowie was it who was at the, the Alamo the Alamo um, well the movie not the I didn't recall the original battle but right. obviously the movie yeah, with sure. John Wayne so I think a whole generation that was older <clears throat> than, than us grew up thinking it was Bowie yeah. and I think he got called that a lot in the 70s wherever he went yeah, but, yeah if he doesn't mind well I guess partly because he wasn't <clears throat> born with it was he so you know he was no. Jones which is a lot easier yeah, yeah. to pronounce yeah so yeah and I but love I, the fact that his son was, was born 
Is it, um, oh, Zowie Bowie. Zowie Bowie, <laughs> but changed his name to Duncan Jones. <laughs> I mean, couldn't get more normal, could you? Was it Frank Zappa who called his kid Moon Unit? Something like that, yeah. So Moon Unit Zappa. Imagine yeah. Hello, I'm pleased to meet you. My name is Moon Unit. But you can, you can yeah. imagine that the only way to rebel against parents who have invented rebellion is to yes. be incredibly str- straight-laced, isn't the, it? The whole concept of abfab, wasn't it? Absolutely yeah, fabulous. Yeah. And Safi was very dull and didn't want to get drunk and yeah. had her friends around to study with. And yeah. Meanwhile, her... And Patsy and her mother were off getting trolleyed from Stolly and Polly. Watching a TV, watching something on TV once, and I cannot remember now what it was, but I just remember that how funny the premise was that these boys were trying to appear cool to their parents. And so they were looking at like science books. And when the parents came in, they quickly grabbed porn magazines <laughs> and put them like, and, and hid their science books inside the porn bag. <laughs> so, so like the dad was sort of going, "Yeah, well done, son." Yeah, you know, and and, and they were secretly studying, but didn't want didn't want their <laughs> their dad to know. Anyway, there you go. None of that's to do with that film, but the film is called. Oh, well, well, I guess it wasn't because it was all a reminiscence, wasn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. Nostalgia, which is the you name. know what they say: nostalgia ain't what it used to be. <laughs> reminiscence, Prime Video, fifth of May. The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. We come to that point in the show where we look at a film that Howard Linsky, the uh, the, the highly renowned uh, local author of note, the distinguished Howard Linsky, uh, chooses a film that is... Too good to be forgotten. And this time round, it's a film by Danny Boyle. So you'd think, um, you know, you think, wow, Danny Boyle, mm. he's done some big films in his time. You <clears> may <throat> not necessarily list this one in the movies that he's done because you might well have forgotten it. Exactly. Hence why you so, it I mean, <clears throat> I'm guessing you probably have seen this, but I don't think everyone knows it. It's Shallow Grave. Mm. And it was his directorial debut. Uh, and it's a really good, dark crime movie, I suppose, in the sense that it is to do with crime, but it's basically about three people who share a flat. They need a, a flatmate. Um, so the three people in question played by Ewan McGregor, young Ewan McGregor. It's a 1994 movie, so it's nearly 30 years old. Uh, Christopher Eccleston, who was just starting out, and Kerry Fox. And they interview a bunch of potential flatmates. And the one they like is Keith Allen, who is a drug dealer. And early on in the movie, he overdoses and dies in the spare room and leaves a whole load of cash. And they decide to keep the cash. And, uh, yeah, complications ensue. Um, I mean, is that one that rings a bell with you? Uh, yes, I, I, I've seen it, and I yeah, did quite enjoy it. I thought it's it was good, a very yeah, good movie. It's a dark movie, and it's set quite a few careers away. I think I think it was Ewan McGregor's first high-profile film, and he's he's done one or two ever since then. Uh, Christopher Eccleston then went on to do Cracker, uh, Our Friends in the North, and become Doctor Who and do a bunch of other things. Uh, Kerry Fox has done quite a lot of stuff over the years, but Danny Boyle, yeah, whatever happened to him? <laughs> <laughs> so about three years later, we did Train Spotting uh, again with Ewan McGregor, and um, yeah, he's gone on to do heaps of things, including the Olympics. <laughs> so you know, he was the one who did the uh, the intro, didn't he? Uh, yeah, James Bond parachuting with the Queen, and he almost uh, made a James Bond movie, and him yes, and Daniel Craig had creative differences, <clears throat> and and then just to show the might of one over the other, Danny, Danny Boyle got fired. Yeah, I wouldn't want to fight James Bond, really. It's never going to end well, is it, really? But, no. uh, but yes, your creative differences. But he hasn't done too badly. No, uh, despite no. Despite that, really. And, you know... So that's some good stuff. But uh, this was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. and, and he, uh, The Beach was him, which yes, was, was a reminder of recently. Yeah. yeah, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. I think that was Leonardo dicaprio that movie. It kind of... Um, I don't know how much influence Danny Boyle had in it, but it differed a little bit from the book and was a little bit um, of a, a vehicle for... 
the main actor, I think, and it wasn't. I didn't think much of that really. I read the book, quite liked it, but didn't think much of the film. Okay, but um, I liked his uh, I liked his zombie movie, Twenty Eight Days. Oh Days. yeah, brilliant! What a, what a movie! What I a forgot about that, that one. one. Yeah, and um, what was? Uh, did, oh, am I making a big faux pas here? Did, he did Slumdog Millionaire, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, that made him, elevated him even further. So yeah. yeah. So he's done some good stuff. Uh, one or two that have disappeared a bit. I think with Shallow Grave, if you're of a certain age, you'll remember it if you saw it at the cinema a long time ago. But I don't think it's one that stays in the mind of people who are, you know, a bit younger than me. And that's most of the population these days. So, you know, I'm recommending it if you haven't seen it. Um, it's it's got, a, it's got a cool soundtrack. It's got a good intro with Christopher Eccleston doing a voiceover about how you can't trust anyone, including your friends. It then leads into a, a, a world that's very largely set in the flats that they inhabit um, and the people are kind of like a mixed bag they're not necessarily you're not going to root for all three of the flatmates but you know they're, they're, they're all a bit flawed but it's still a very interesting movie there's some good dialogue gets a bit gory in parts so you know but it's um, yeah it's oh and uh, supporting appearances as well as Keith Allen they've got Ken Stott in there mm. and Peter Mullen yeah went on great, great actors mm. and, and Keith Allen yeah <laughs> well he's good in this <laughs> Ken, yeah Ken Stott and Peter Mullen are, are I great know, I don't know if Keith Allen lost his way a bit but he was in some pretty good stuff I mean he ended up in Trainspotting as well didn't he and he's well he did do a few things so, early on in his career that were quite good but. so I have two little bits of trivia here that might be of interest to you so uh-huh. um, according well, to Danny Boyle Trainspotting and Shallow Grave are connected because, right. and, and Keith Allen's playing the same character in both ah. which might seem weird given the well the chronology but well a bit like Pulp Fiction so I suppose, he ex- well so no so he explain Danny Boyle's explained this too because uh, Keith Allen dies in Shallow Grave yeah. and then some years later Trainspotting comes out Correct, and yeah. in both films he's playing a drug dealer and Danny Boyle says it's the same character yeah. because in Trainspotting and, and it's not they don't labour this point much, but train spotting set in the eighties. Yes, yeah. So it's before and based the on the of- book, which I presume is set in the same way. I did try yeah. and read the book. I didn't get very far into the book because it is all in the dialect, and it got its hard work, you know, to to read the yeah uh, everything in uh, slang, I suppose, whatever better phrase. But uh, but yes, yeah, so, so shallow grave uh, was was came out in the nineties, set in the nineties, but yeah. Train spotting was set in the eighties, and it is, Keith Allen is playing the same character. Ah, that's uh, interesting. And the other thing, which I thought was very interesting, is Danny Boyle's harshest critic apparently is his father, and <laughs> and whenever his father is asked about, or, or whenever he was asked about um, his son's movies, he always cited Shallow Grave as his favourite. And even when um, his son won the Best Picture and Best Director Oscars for Slumdog Millionaire, they said, which one are you most proud of? And he still went Shallow Grave. I, I, love, I far prefer Shallow Grave. I'm not actually a fan of Slumdog Millionaire, to be honest with you. I've watched it with possibly too high expectations, but I thought it was a bit odd. So I've never actually seen it, but no, I, I've always I intended like to get round to it one day. But, but apparently his father's review of it, it said it was good, but not as good as Shallow Grave. <laughs> they didn't put it on a poster, did they? <laughs> <laughs> I'd relaunch Shallow Grave with better than Slumdog Millionaire if I was them. Yeah, get it out on streaming or DVD. But there you go. So, so the film that is too good to be forgotten is uh, 1994's Shallow Grave. Uh, we'll be back in a moment with a look at Howard's choice of films on Free to Air TV for the week ahead. The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Let's look at the films that. The uh, distinguished author of notes sat before me, Howard Linsky. Uh, have you got a new book coming out? Actually, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Well, <laughs> Just finished we'll, writing one, we'll, so we'll see. I'll, let you, I'll keep you posted. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, uh, the, uh, all of his, his uh, previous works can all be found in the bargain bins in the works. Um, yeah, but five for the price of one, usually. Yeah. 
Uh, but anyway, yeah, Howard has uh, has diligently worked his way through the TV listings for the week, uh, picking out the best films to watch on free-to-air TV on yes. the old Freeview channels. So you don't have to, in other words, you know, the, the, the listener, I'll do it for you. Yeah. So, so let's start yeah. with Friday the 5th of May, 11.10pm on 5 Star, Wild Things. Yes, Wild Things. I haven't seen this in ages, but I do remember it's pretty good. Oh. It's a 1998 movie. Um, it's uh, classed as a neo-noir thriller. Uh, John McNaughton directed it's got Matt Dillon Kevin Bacon Neve Campbell and Denise Richards in it and uh, it's quite oh and also supporting cast is quite interesting uh, Teresa Russell who's yeah. a biggish biggish star in the 80s actually Robert Wagner of all people and Bill Murray a part of the supporting cast I've kind of forgotten they were all in it but um, it's largely remembered because Kevin Bacon plays, plays a police officer investigating the aftermath of a case involving the aforementioned Matt Dillon alongside Neve Campbell and Denise Richards. And it's about a high school guidance counsellor, played by Matt, in South Florida, who is accused of rape by two female students. And then the um, the revelations during a court case and the aftermath of that and the suspicion that surrounds it all. And I think if I say anything else, it will be a bit of a spoiler alert. It's very twisty turny, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. And I, I, when I saw it, was on, I thought, I must watch this again, because I haven't seen it in ages. And uh, Remember when I watched it, I didn't realise that it was as twisty turny a thriller as it was, yeah. and was very pleasantly surprised by how well they did that. Yes, me too, because the look of the movie, if you and everything about it kind of screams, oh, slightly exploitative, um, you know, Denise Richards is in it, not not like fully dressed for example yeah. you know there's scenes it, like that where it just looks like it's going to be one of those like fatal attraction or well, you know, it came um, out as well basic in the instinct after- or something like that sorry but i was just going to say that it came out as well in the aftermath of other movies that it seemed to be aligning itself with such as um cruel intentions the oh, yes. the remake of dangerous liaisons which was all yes. set in high mm-hmm. school and, and and was a modern thing and had um, uh, was it Reese Witherspoon, wasn't it? And and Ryan Philippe and That's right, yes. uh, Sarah Michelle yeah, yeah, yeah. Geller. Sarah Michelle and, Geller, yes, and it, she was really good th- at that. This looked a bit like that. You know, it was sort yes. of pushing the fact that it was Neil <clears throat> Campbell and Denise Richards, two yeah. young actors of a, of a similar age and ilk to those other ones. So, so I was expecting some sort of teenage crime lust thriller the, type thing. The other one it reminds me of, in the sense of its tone, is a bit like The Last Seduction that we've talked about before with yeah. Linda Fiorentina. So a bit darker, a bit more twisted and a bit more wow I didn't see that coming or even what, what was the film back in the early 80s was it Brian De Palma um, Body Heat was it uh, yeah oh uh, is that the one that's gosh yes Body William Hurt and Kathleen yes. Turner was that, was that Brian De Palma I'm trying to or think have I made, made that bit up I'm sure part of that's right that's a remake of Double Indemnity which right. I really, really loved but I'm not sure if Brian De Palma did it I don't I may be wrong but I don't think it was him I will see if, uh, if, if we can find this out um, but uh that is one that's too good to be forgotten while Bo- we're stalling. Body, body Double he did. Oh, Body Double he did, yes, yeah. yes. Which, right, which yeah, was yeah. a different movie to Body yes. Heat with Kathleen Turner and William yes, Hurt. William but Hurt, but yeah. in fact was a, of a similar genre as well, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was around about a similar time. Um, but uh, but yeah, so this felt a little bit like that. Um, also, I mean, because in fact, Brian De Palma also did Dress to Kill, didn't he? He did, he did Dress and, to Kill. Yeah. You know, those sorts of movies that mm. th- 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 I think this could fit into that category you know you put a collection of those movies together I think this one could fit yeah, in. I like the fact that these things have a bit of a twist because obviously particularly being a writer but also massively into film I'm always trying to guess what's going to happen next and very often I do and I like a movie that goes off on a bit of a tangent you think oh I didn't see that coming so I, I, I like yeah. a movie if it's got a good twist in it that that in no way 
tells you that it's got a good twist in it. Yes. I, you, know, yes. You, you watch old M. Night Shamalama, Ding Dang, whatever it's called now. Yes. Yeah, his, um, <laughs> his stuff, it's, you, you know there's going to be a big twist. So you're trying to guess it. And yeah. then, and then uh, invariably, you, 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 I think one can guess it before you get there. Yeah, that's true. If you don't yeah. know one's coming, that slap across the face it gives you when it's there, I think is wonderful. Oh, it is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, that's, um, that, that's uh, the film Wild Things. Uh, a yeah. great, yeah, neo-noir. You know, it's, it is a, it could have been a film from the forties, from that classic it could, era. It could. It could have been set in a. It could have been set in a Dublin Demnity world in a way, but a more modern. Yeah. Um, take on it, and, and of course, uh, a lot more racy and explicit because yes, it is a nineties movie, not a forties one. Yeah, you just have to tolerate those racy and explicit scenes involving Neve Campbell and Denise Richards <laughs> to get to the good bit, which is the you know the twist in the tale. But yeah, if you can suspend your morality for a few <laughs> minutes, it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me, I, I own that movie. A very impressionable time in my life. <laughs> anyway, uh, Wild Things. Uh, yes, uh, it gets uh, two thumbs up for both of us. Yes, Eleven ten p.m. Five star. Friday the fifth of May. Moving to Saturday the sixth of May, and sticking with the late nineties, which was a good era for movies in my opinion. It really opinion. was. The nineties were terrific for filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. And, and even the action movies like this one. Yeah. Well, because I, I think this works and these sorts of movies, because this was probably at the end of the golden age of action movies, in my opinion. Yeah. So because this... the golden age, I would have said, would have been those action movies where it was done for real, where yes, there was before the no CGI. or very limited <clears throat> CGI, you know. So you think, well, actually, stuntmen had to work all that out and had to do all that. And maybe it wasn't as dangerous as it appeared, but they would have still have spent a very long time doing all sorts of mathematical calculations to do the car stunts, the, the falling from things, the yes. fights scenes and all of that I totally agree and at this point I should probably tell people the title of the movie yes Con Air <laughs> which is uh, uh, it's got um, the well it's a 90s typical action movie lead Nicolas Cage uh, backed up by John Cusack, who I do like in nearly everything. I think yeah. he's very, very good. John Markovich, He was ditto. very out of type with this movie, but it works <clears throat> so well, doesn't it? Because he's a very good actor, so you can probably yeah. throw him in anything and he yeah. comes up pretty much... Uh, well, he's very watchable. I think he's, for, for whatever yeah. reason, as well as being a good actor, he's kind of watchable. Because he often you know, <clears throat> can sometimes play the... And I think this is one of his performances where he was doing the sort of rom-com-esque type of guy, but in the middle of this big testosterone action mm. movie. And you, you got the sense what with him that, that he was out of his depth, the character was out <laughs> of his depth, and, and yet somehow bringing all the chaos to a, to a satisfactory conclusion. Yeah, and the chaos is populated by a whole round of other character actors who were already moderately big back then, but went on to do even bigger things. So Steve Buscemi's in it. Uh, Ving Rames is in it, Colin Meaney's in it, uh, Dave Chappelle is in it, and um, Danny Trejo and Monica Potter. They're the supporting cast. Now, Con Air is named after the um, the fact that they're all convicts. They're all uh, and Con Air is a nickname for. Um, the Justice Prisoner and Alien Transportation System aircraft, where you move people around from prison to prison. And what they're doing is, they're, the idea is that the premise is they're building a new super prison and they're taking all of the really rough and... The worst and ones, Worst possible yeah, prisoners. Yeah. And like you would um, <laughs> in any world that wasn't a film, you put them all in the same plane <laughs> and hope it doesn't crash or get taken over, yeah. which is exactly what happens. Now, from memory, because it is a long while since I've seen this movie, it's 1997. But Nicolas Cage, he is the the sort of goodie, 
Um, he's only there because he killed someone in a fight defending his wife and daughter. So how he got a big prison sentence, I don't know. But he's the one who's going to try and restore order. Because he's uh, been it's released. It's hard on a plane, isn't it, really? But he's been released, isn't he? Isn't that the oh, thing is that, that he's right? actually flying? So long. And he's the one who's going to be released he's at the end of the flight. Back, right? Yes, so he's, he's served oh. his sentence, uh, I believe. Right. Uh, or, or he's only got a very short amount of time left on it. But there's basically, there was no... <clears> and that's part of the thing of the movies. I think John Cusack's thinking, look, look there's a guy on here we can trust because... He's got no reason to, yes. to do this, and that's one of the reasons they can't just shoot the plane down. Apart from the fact that there are pilots as well, yeah. but you know, there's a there's a man on there who's, uh, you know, he's an yeah. inside man. So it's very much like the the Die Hard premise. Yeah. You know, it's not a tower block; it's a plane. Yeah, but he's uh, he's also wearing a sweaty vest. And, yeah, yeah, doing all his and being very Nick Cage. Oh, and he just <laughs> everything. But what a movie! And, <laughs> and 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 Steve Buscemi is so creepy in it, playing yes. a Hannibal Lecter type character. Oh, I remember he's very good in that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah so kind yeah. of chillingly. Scary. John Markovich does lots of, uh, you know, the, the wry announcements. You know, welcome aboard Con Air, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Fasten your seatbelts, that kind of thing. Enjoy yeah. your flight. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, wonderful, great action movie. It's just yeah. adrenaline pumping from start to finish. It's a Bruckheimer movie, isn't it? You know, you're going what you're going to get with. Uh, oh yeah, Bruckheimer. I mean, the only thing that surprised me is that it's not directed by Michael Bay. Because it's yeah. that sort of thing, but but no, it's. Do you know what? Uh, I forgot to make note of the director, but it no, was. You know, you did it, Simon West. You got it. In oh, the did top I? You're right. I did right on the top there. Um, I was going to say it's the kind of thing John Woo might have tackled. Yeah. With with a plum at but, some but point. But he'd have had doves in it somewhere true. doing slow mo yes. stuff. Slow mo fighting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Con Air, 1997, yeah. 26 years ago. I know, mate. Makes me feel old oh, looking dear. at these movies. I, I once <clears> took a young lady on a on a double. It was a date, but we went to see two movies because it was National Cinema Day. We're all films were a quid for right. the, you know and I'm tight and she didn't know that so uh, I said look, look, look why don't we do this and we, we, and we planned and we're going to have a meal in between and then go and see the second movie and it was Con Air and One Fine Day and if you remember oh, One yes, Fine one Day, fine day. Yeah, yeah. George Clooney and yes. Michelle Pfeiffer it couldn't be yeah. more different from yeah. Con Air <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you took it to Con Air, then dinner, then the rom com to see. I, the I can't remember which way round it was, but but uh, there wasn't a second date. But I loved uh, the movies, so I was I was happy. When you looked around during the second movie and the seat was empty, you, you knew <laughs> yeah. there was not going to be a second date. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Con Air oh, is on ten fifty p.m. on Channel Four on Saturday the sixth of May. There you go. What more of a Coronation movie could you want? Exactly. I, I don't know about you, but I should be avoiding all references to Coronation. I'm not really into all that stuff, so any movie will do. Yeah. Uh, I'll be streaming things probably. Yeah, why, why not, Connor? Uh, okay, let's move to Sunday the seventh of May, uh, four ten p.m. on ITV One. They, they go back to numbering ITV again now, have they? I, I, oh, I, I that's can't what keep it, up. I can't keep up with no, all the identity I think changes. They did ITV and X and ITV Hub and all this nonsense. Yeah, no, but, I think it might well be back yeah. to ITV. Well, it's anyway, it's, it's the main one. That's what it said on the website yeah. anyway. But uh, but ITV, it's all yeah. on ITV, mate. Yeah. For, three on your old telly from Radio Reynolds. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Before we had a remote control, yeah, yeah. you can push the button and it switched <coughs> to that one. Anyway, yeah, seventh of May from Russia with love. Uh, yeah, that's a classic, isn't it? Going back a long, long way. So nineteen sixty-three. So for, um, so yeah, it's the second Six, sixty years ago. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Second Bond movie. So this was when um, that you know the Doctor No did so well. They went, hey, we'll do it again and we'll double the budget. So they they, they, they must the have budget. been confident early in because this film came out a year later. So they must have already been working on this movie. Mm. I wonder at what I'd love to know at what point were they so confident we've got a massive hit on our hands. Let's already start developing the next. That's one. a good point. And I also suspect that you know they were probably of a generation that went, well, we can swing this around pretty quickly. You know that uh, yeah. That, back, back then there was a year between each of these movies. Yeah, and, it's amazing. Uh, but also I guess the producers they <clears> bought the rights to 
all of Fleming's work. So yeah. that they must have been thinking this better work as a multi-picture thing because we're in big trouble. Else we paid a fortune for this <laughs> for these ten books. <laughs> yes, well, I think I think may have may have made their money back over the years. You know, the, I, I gather that I think all they made films. their money back from the first one. Yeah, easily. Uh, and uh, so they did throw a bit more budget at this one. I do like this one because although it's quite glitzy and it has sort of uh, well, I love Sean Connery as Bond anyway, so that's the first thing I would say about it. But I also think it's a bit more plot-centred and not just... Get, you know, sometimes you watch a Bond movie, particularly from the 70s, it's like, pay attention, Bond, there's a madman out there, he's going to blow up the world, stop him. Yeah. Seems to be the premise, and the rest of it doesn't really matter. It's, it's just all that, about the gadgets and the yeah, girls, and he's, it? he's just got to go somewhere like Hong yeah. Kong and yeah. kick a few people and sleep with some and, yeah. you know, blow up the villains. It was just but, big set pieces, wasn't it, with, with yeah. a very thin storyline, which was always <clears throat> the same kind of thing, you know, yes. madman take over the world. And but uh, this one wasn't. This wasn't, and it was about um, a, a Russian female spy who proclaims herself in love with James Bond and will defect, but only to him, but it's a set-up because uh, Spectre want to avenge the killing of Dr. No by getting at Bond. And um, they have, uh, I mean, they have great villains in this one as well. Do you remember the, the woman with a spike in her um, shoe? Rosa Klebb. Rosa Klebb, exactly. With, I mean, she, yeah. Oh, God, she was one to give you nightmares when you first saw that movie yeah. as a kid. Um, but, yeah, it's really, really good. And there's a great fight on the train, as I remember. Yes. With uh, uh, Harris, Robert Harris, is it? No. Shaw. Shaw, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw, sorry, where am I getting Harris from? Confusing my authors and actors. Robert Shaw, yeah, and long before Jaws. Yeah. Played a very muscular, tall, blonde Soviet prison. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Soviet henchman. And uh, <clears throat> is exposed by Bond because he doesn't know he's wine. Yeah. And he orders the wrong wine. So Bond immediately knows that he's clearly no, no Englishman would order that with that. You know, I think it was... Bordeaux with fish or something I can't remember but uh, that's the that's the clue that exposes him as a, a uh, an agent from Russia and not a British secret serviceman yeah and, and it's yeah. um <coughs> great it, film oh wonderful and 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 it's a real sort of 60s espionage you know classic it is and and <coughs> it was it, they made them there were amendments from the the novel to the, the the screen, for a start, apparently the producers didn't want to make Russia the enemy because they felt that this whole Cold War thing would be over fairly soon, <laughs> and you know the, we want to sell the films in Russia as well. So I am so, so glad it's all over now. Yeah, yeah obviously, yeah. And there's no more problems with Russia. It's not good. <laughs> yes, quite. So in oh, so, so the book, it was Russia that was the the villain. It was Smirsh, the the Russian uh, kill all the spies department or something. Oh yes, yes. The, the, their spy assassination department, which apparently yeah. was a real thing. Yes, it Fleming was, Pratt, was, yeah. prided himself on on the the accuracy of his his books yep. and, and and of this sort of thing, but in the in the movie they made it Spectre, this international yes, an international organisation, yeah. but were making it look it was such an intricate intricate clever plot they made it look like it was the Russians that were setting a trap for the British, yes, and the British <coughs> knew it was a trap, but they wanted to try to do it anyway so they played along with the trap I can imagine him at one point going look Bond it's obviously a trap but we want you to go in there anyway oh, well, that, no, no that problem is, that is pretty yeah. much what he said wasn't it in, <laughs> I can't remember in, in the, yeah, yeah, in the beginning yeah he said clearly a trap yeah because Bond says so I think this is a trap and, and then goes of course it's a trap <laughs> of course it's a trap Bond yes yeah. well, we are dispen- dispensable you know, yeah yeah of course it's a trap but but you know we want to get our hands on that coding device that oh, was the, 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 the centre of the the, the, the the MacGuffin or whatever they call it but it was and, and then when when they're detailing the plot you know while while Blofeld's there stroking the cat and, and listening to the plot being unveiled they said 
surely the British will see it as a trap. And he went, ah, of course they will see it as a trap. That is why they will want to do it. They are British. They love a challenge. They love a trap. Uh, yeah. They love a good trap. And it was just that layer, the complexities, which you often don't, we wouldn't get plotting like that in a movie no, these I days. Think, I, you know, to the detriment of a lot of stuff that's all CGI and, you know, generally just, as I said, that whole sort of pay attention, Bond, it's, uh, yeah, some madman out there, just stop him. And that's kind of it, and off he goes. Yeah. Uh, but a little bit of plot doesn't go amiss, I think. That's and, it. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the the girl in the middle of the piece was was this Russian um, cipher clerk. Tatiana who, Romanova. Who, who they knew was only faking a defection. Yeah. Um, and they knew that she hadn't really fallen in love with a picture of Bond and, and wanted to defect only with him. And, and yet they still went along with it because they wanted to find out. And, they, <laughs> and in fact, Bond does nothing to propel the story forward at any point at all. And especially in the movie, everything just happens to him. There's not a single thing where he does something. Oh, I hadn't thought of it like that, but yeah. you're right, yeah. No, in every step of this, he's just uh, uh, along for the ride. Mm. And yet, what a ride. Yes, with a martini in one hand and a girl in the other. Yeah, yeah. and some classic sequences like the the, the, the poster uh, on the side of a building uh, and the, oh, yes. the villain climbing out of the, the, the mouth of the, the I was the just thinking face. about that, where the guy shoots him and he says, ah, he has a secret escape hatch. And I'm like, well, A, it's not secret. <laughs> and B... He has to go down a blooming rope yeah. for about two minutes to get to the bus. It's not very good escape yeah. hatch, is it? <laughs> and apparently in, in the book... The back door would be quicker. <laughs> in the book, it was the mouth of Marilyn Monroe he was climbing oh, out of on the, oh, the, the movie poster. But because of rights and things, they made it um, someone else. Oh. And it was actually a movie that, that one of the Bond producers, Harry Saltzman, had produced. So, oh, so he was allowed to sign it off for yeah, himself. Yeah, so it was his own Brilliant. movie up there. Um, but, yeah, you know, I remember that scene. It's very good. Yeah. And the gypsy encampment bit was all yes, very, very thrilling yeah, and exciting. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, the Orient Express bit, the, which is Loved the final that. whole third of the movie. And, and it's it's just wonderful. It is. It is. I'd, I'd give it nine and a half out of ten. It's brilliant. It's really, really good. And a minor spoiler for the book, if 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 someone that ever wants to listen, read it and, and hasn't... There are only fans on here. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the difference is, at the end of the book, Bond dies. Um, oh. Rosa Klebb kicks him with the spike, with the poison on it, right. uh, whereas in the movie, he manages to stop her from kicking him. But in, So they change, so he, he doesn't get wounded by her in the movie, therefore survives for the next one. Yeah. In the book, he died. Oh, and, wow. then, and then, um, much like Conan Doyle did with Sherlock Holmes, where brought he, him back. Yeah, they brought him back in the next one. How did they explain that, I wonder? Uh, it apparently, it wasn't fatal. Um, it, he died, but it wasn't fatal. No, well, so, so it ends with him being presumed dead, collapsing yes, onto the floor, yeah. having just been receiving this poison that that kills you. But apparently ah. there was some defect with the poison and he was only off for several months recuperating rather than dead. Ah, right. Got you. Uh, good old Bond. Yeah. Live to fight another day. Yeah. Uh, there you go. That's uh, From Russia With Love from 1963, 4.10pm on ITV1 arguably one of Connery's finest ones. Definitely. Mm. In fact, there's a quote. The guy who directed it, Terence Young, mm. directed the first one as well. And he was an acclaimed British movie director, wasn't he, from back in the day. Mm-hmm. And he he did the first, the second, and the fourth one, which was Doctor No, From Russia With Love, and Thunderball. Mm. And um, it was often said that he directed the first Bond, the best Bond, and the biggest Bond. Because oh, wow. at the time, Thunderball was a, a, f- a huge, huge, epic movie mm. and, and, and did did very, very well. For it set all over the world. You know, the others were a little bit more modest. But, but yeah, it was often argued that this was the, the best one. There you go. 4.10pm, uh, ITV1, Sunday the 7th of May. We go to Monday the 8th of May, 9pm uh, on BBC2. 1917. Yes, that's not that long ago. So we had one movie from the early 60s. Now we've got one from 2019. Um, Many people will remember this one, I'm sure. Uh, Directed and produced by Sam Mendes. um, And it's 
inspired by stories that he heard about the First World War that his grandfather used to tell him. <clears throat> and it takes place after the German retreat to the Hindenburg Line during Operation Alberich. And it follows two British soldiers, um, Will Schofield and Tom Blake, in their mission to deliver an important message to call off an offensive attack that would be doomed if it were to happen. So they've got to get across um, no man's land effectively to deliver this message. Uh, fairly um, extensive supporting cast as well. Mark Strong, Andrew Scott, Richard Madden, Claire de Burke, Colin Firth and Benedict Cumberbatch. So there's quite a lot of talent in the background as these two young men go across a uh, fairly fraught bit of um, territory and have numerous, I suppose, adventures. Sounds like a trivial world, but uh, harrowing times in the peak of the First World War. It's very good. Okay. I've got lots of acclaim when it came out. And it wasn't one of the things of it, is it's all done in one take, isn't it? Uh, oh, is it all? The entire movie? The, the entire movie's just... in one take. It, wow. it, it, <clears throat> it rolls out in real time. You can... And it was mentioned at the time that this was an homage to films like Rope, the, the Hitchcock movie, which was all in one take, but you could very clearly see the joins. Oh, right. And this did similar things. That like there's, there's a bit where the camera pans across a tree, and as the tree kind of completely covers the screen before you know as oh, the right. yes, past, yes. you can see that that would have been where they digitally kind of ma- oh, matched right, it up very well but the, it was things like that and i think they did a couple of things where they intentionally nodded to the audience to say this is where we're not cutting but have cut right but yeah <clears throat> all of it is it feels like it's one massive tracking shot yeah it's quite adrenaline which doesn't half make you feel like you're in it yes i can say exactly that's the point i was about to make you seem like you're in it and you, you're quite knackered by the end of the experience because it's quite one long fairly unrelenting journey yeah uh, it's pretty full on oh it's, it's, and it's, it's gripping because of it because you're, you're, you feel you're there with these two young lads who are doing this this seemingly impossible mission yeah uh, and and great supporting cast as well that, that appear in it all ever so briefly but but really lend they've all got cameos haven't yeah. they that actually ran a bit of gravitas to it yeah yeah so um, although it's mildly distracting because obviously you've got an unna- unknown lead two yeah, uh, you know the duet who are trying to get across no man's land, and then all of a sudden a famous person pops up. But uh, but yeah, it's um, it, it's I, I, genuinely the whole movie is very very good. Yeah, I didn't even know you like more war movies. You keep Apparently, that quiet don't every you? now and again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I very consciously sometimes pick ones that aren't, but I'm afraid I'm going to let you down next because no. here we go. There's another one coming oh, up soon. Right, and, and then another. <coughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> you so, must have got to admit this next one's good though. No, I, I'm not disputing any, the quality of any of the ones you pick. <laughs> They're all good. Um, 9 p.m. on BBC Two though, 1917 on Monday the 8th of May. We moved to Tuesday the 9th of May, another war movie, but, but a very <laughs> different, different era uh, and a different setting because this one's on sea. But 6.20pm uh, on film for Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. Yeah, so this is Russell Crowe in the lead. Um, it's directed by Peter Weir. It's all set during the Napoleonic Wars. And for those unfamiliar, it's set. It's a, it's a naval saga, so it's set on a ship. Um, and it's all part of Patrick O'Brien's series of novels he wrote. 20 novels on the the Jack Aubrey and Maturin series so Maturin is a surgeon Jack Aubrey is the captain Russell Crowe plays Aubrey Paul Bettany plays Maturin uh, great chemistry between the two of them and the plot of this one is based on three different books actually and I've just coincidentally I've just listened to the audio books of two of them uh, neither of which fully touches on what happens in this movie which is all about hunting down uh, a French privateer a ship that is bigger more nimble and has more guns than the one that they're on 
and how they turn things around or how they try and turn things around when they're constantly being outwitted by this heavy frigate called Acheron, um, which is, uh, you know, like uh, I suppose the equivalent of a middleweight taking on a heavyweight in the boxing ring. And uh, I think what's really good about this, there's some very good dialogue, but the the performances and interaction with all of the characters are very, very good. There's some good supporting uh, roles as well for the crew and the officers. It's all very authentic. And Peter Weir absolutely nailed this. And they spent a great deal of time, effort and money getting it look looking the part and filming in the right spots on the right um, ships that they recreated and rebuilt. It's pretty lavish. Um, it's sumptuous stuff. I mean, I'm going to watch it again, basically, for the God knows the umpteenth time, but it's so good. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're protesting slightly at the, oh, I have to watch it again. No, I'm definitely going to watch it yeah. again. <laughs> Come on, let's face it. This is, this is oh, your... I, I love this. Yeah. This is your shtick, if It ever. is, definitely. Yeah, 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 it's very good stuff. Okay, that's uh, <clears throat> Master and Commander, uh, Far Side of the Moon, World, what was it called again? I've yeah, lost it. it'd be quite difficult. Far Side of the World. the moon on a ship. Well, you never know. <laughs> And, and this was intended to be a series of movies. I mean, this was Master and Commander colon uh, <coughs> yes. Far Side of the World, and and, and it never. I, I'm guessing it, it couldn't have made enough money for them to. Yeah, warrant. I think it was a big critical hit, and I think financially it did all right, but only all right. And you yeah, know what? They, they don't want all right. They want big hits. Otherwise, there's no point. Because so. did you say there were there were loads of books, weren't there? Twenty. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So the guy. I mean, there. When you read the books or you listen to, as I have just done recently, the audio books, the amount of knowledge that Patrick O'Brien has on the way it all works. They don't just... If I was writing this thing, I'd be like, oh, there's an enemy ship ahead. Better raise the sails then, you know. But he knows every little nook and cranny of that ship. And it's fascinating to listen to. You know, it, it borders on almost getting, like, nerdy and boring, but doesn't quite. So it's, you know, he because his knowledge is so good, mm. you thoroughly believe in the manoeuvres that those ships pull off in order to outwit the enemy and engage with them. And uh, he just has a sense of place and time. And, and second Russell, to none, really. Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany have very good on-screen chemistry. And, of course, they yeah. were also in uh, Beautiful Minds yes, together. Yes, they were, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. I think they're both really good uh, generally. But, uh, yeah, it's hard to better the, uh, the roles that they played in this. Mm. So. Okay, um, yeah, that's Master and Commander, Far Side of the World, uh, from 2003, 20 years wow. ago. 6.20pm on Film 4, Tuesday the 9th of May. We move to Wednesday the 10th of May, and another... Yeah, sorry. So your, your trilogy of war movies concludes yeah, my, with... My deliberate tr- trilogy of war movies yeah, concludes... With We Were Soldiers, a lesser-known war movie. It but, is, but yeah. no less good than, than the others. 10.05pm on Paramount. What's good about this is based on a true story, uh, based on the book We Were Soldiers Once. Uh, and young sorry the reason I paused because you meant to we were soldiers once and young uh, and it's uh, written by uh, retired Lieutenant General Hal Moore and a reporter who covered the Vietnam War and it depicts the uh, first major battle of the Vietnam War involving the Americans so what happened was uh, the Lieutenant General in question um, played by Mel Gibson has to take a battalion in of 400 men in order to, as they call it, as they say in the military parlance, eliminate the North Vietnamese attackers in the area. But they have poor intelligence. They don't know how many enemy troops are there. He takes his newly created unit, who have never done any fighting before, into a valley in the Vietnam, in Vietnam only to find that the enemy are 4,000 strong. So it's 4,000 men against 400. And I guess if that was a Hollywood movie premise, it would be okay. But the fact that it's a true story... 
lends or adds a lot of um, seriousness and gravitas to it because you know these are real people and this actually happened to them and it's a fairly I think faithful representation of what occurred in real life and uh, you know a bit of a um, almost like a battle of the Alamo feel to it because they have to fend off attack after attack before the battle is finally concluded so I will tell you no more than that but it's also quite good at focusing on the home front as well because the wives um, of the officers and men are all live fairly close together on a base and then of course they start hearing that men have died men have been injured and that adds another dimension to it as well so yeah well worth a watch it's been a very long time since i've seen this movie but wasn't there um it didn't keep kind of flitting between vietnam and then the base and so you you were seeing that the the men fighting and then the wives at home worrying about what's going on and it's a very good scene that relates to what you just said where i think it's madeline Stowe who plays mel gibson's wife in this now maybe wrong but i think it's her where two guys in uniform come up to her door and knock on it or ring the doorbell and she thinks oh my god he's he's dead and they can, when when she answers the door, they say, "Oh, I don't know if you can help us, but we're looking for this person." And she goes, "You idiot!" You know, because uh, they don't realize what they've done. Yeah. And in the end, the wives decide to take on the task of breaking the news to other wives, rather than these guys marching up in uniform to knock on the door and giving everybody a massive shock. So, yeah. yeah, it's a good scene. And um, am I right in thinking my computer's died, so I haven't got any information in now? Was it Sam <laughs> I Elliott? it was all in your head. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Elliott in a supporting role? Oh, I think so. That rings a bell. He's always good, isn't he? And uh, yeah, is he the grizzled Sergeant Major in this? Yes, I think I he think. works alongside yeah, Mel Gibson. They, so, so Mel Gibson's whole thing is that he's a veteran, but he has to knock these guys into shape, so he does it with that guy. And I'm saying, yeah. I think you're right, it was Sam Elliott. Yeah, I'm sure it was Sam Elliott. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think the computer would lie on that one, but... Uh, yeah, well, I don't know, it's not telling me anything. Um, I'm going to try and look it up on my phone, but I'm, I'm sure that I didn't make that up. No, I think your brain is a computer that we can rely on today. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you were right, Madeline Stowe, well done. And, it, well, yeah, Sam Elliott was, was... There you go. You see, between us, we didn't even need the computers, we just remembered. And yeah. I haven't seen it in ages, but uh, I, if you... Uh, okay. If you like a war movie, and even if you don't, it's still a good movie. Um, you know, well acted, well written, and the fact that it's true adds a whole new layer to it. So yeah. check it out. It's Absolutely. not it's not gung ho either, which is good. They don't really it's not this American USA thing, you know, yeah. they're not not particularly well, yeah, I, I, overly patriotic about it. It's just about surviving. And like you say, if this was um a, a, another movie, this easily where where, you know, the four hundred against four thousand, that that's well those four thousand don't stand a chance. Yes. In some instances exactly. they'd have just sent yes. in Chuck Norris. You know, he'd have taken <laughs> yeah. one out himself. I know, if it was a sort of Rambo esque type thing. Well, it's yeah. not like that at all. No, no, no. no. Very realistic. Yeah. <clears throat> and and it was uh, you know, in an in an era where we were sort of kind of there you know the vietnam war movies were sort of done you know the late 80s and early 90s yeah, was a massive proliferation of too many of them if anything yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, and and to then sort of i don't know a good 10 years after that to have this one come along yeah and it didn't feel like a vietnam movie like platoon and no. the others did this and felt it's 16 different. years after platoon and i was just thinking when i said there's too many i didn't mean that in a bad disrespectful way because it's great that there were quite a few but by the mid 90s there were just you know it's another vietnam movie and it's completely fictional and it doesn't really mean anything because we've seen platoon we've seen full metal jacket we've seen born on the fourth of july you know those things mattered but then there was a lot of spin-off type cashing in style 
low budget, not very good movies, and this this is yeah. not one of those. Yeah, yeah. Chuck Norris kicking his way through the, <laughs> the, the the Vietnamese jungles and taking them all out, and Rambo doing the same thing. And I just don't diss Chuck Norris because I've heard he's quite tough. I, mean, I don't know if that's a myth. But, he's eighty four. You, know. you know, if you want to bring it on, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck, can I disassociate myself from that? You know, I'm not worried about him. <laughs> 84, he'd still kick you all over the place. He probably would. <laughs> but, but you know, then he'd, the NHS would have to fix that hip of his, uh, wouldn't they? He could probably afford to go private, I should imagine. <laughs> <laughs> he hadn't done a movie for a while. Oh, but, yeah, uh, now, now I'm saying he's 84. I better look, if he's not, I yeah, apologise. if he's 64, you're in trouble, mate. He was born in 1940. He's, he's 83. Oh, oh well, you are doomed. Yeah. yeah he's, oh, he could, he's only he's quite sprightly. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm sure he's a nice fella. <laughs> I've I've heard he's quite a, a humble, nice sort of guy. Not like Steven Seagal that everyone hears is just a bit of an a-hole. Yeah, I've heard he's a bit uh, yeah. not all that great, yeah. Like he came to St. Yeah. Albans not too long ago. What, looking for you? <laughs> no, he's, Steven Seagal has a band. And oh. I said not that long ago, about 10 years ago, he appeared at the Auburn Arena. Oh, right. And with his band, this. and it was oh. on Valentine's Day. Wow. And I remember making a joke about this on my old radio show, saying, you know, can you imagine, like, there'd be some... some um, women out in, in listening who might be thinking oh you know my husband's treating me tonight he's taking yeah. me to a show and he's going to see Stephen Seagal is he a band yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> happy Valentine's Day love gosh <laughs> kick someone <laughs> shouting out from the back yeah. any requests yeah, yeah. deck somebody yeah. <laughs> anyway oh, uh, so We Were Soldiers is on 10.05pm yeah. on Paramount on Wednesday the 10th of May our final movie on Thursday the 11th of May and this is one where there's there's a bit of interest all of a sudden because there is oh, now yes. a very successful Netflix <clears throat> series there is and focusing uh, on the one of the characters technically it's not a war movie either no so. you're well done yeah so it's 7pm film for Thursday the 11th of May Dum, dum, da, da, dum. I don't know if we have to pay someone for that now, but that's <laughs> yeah. the Adams family. Uh, that's that's the budget blown for the year. If we have to pay royalties, you get sued for that. Is that clicking your fingers? Is that a thing? You can, I think it's the other sue bit. Us for that. I believe yeah. if it's less than six seconds or something, you're okay. Oh, fair enough. And also, we have got a license of sorts, so we might be okay anyway. Oh, all right. One of right. our other shows plays music. So to be honest, nobody listens, so we'll be all right. I should we'll be imagine. Fine. You know. So the Adams the family. family. Yes. Yeah, so this is obviously back in vogue thanks to Wednesday, which was just brilliant on Netflix. I loved it. It's great fun. Um, if you, I was going to say, if you want to see where it all started, but this is not where it all started. The Adams Family began in the 60s as a TV show, which in turn was based on a cartoon created by a guy called Charles Adams, interestingly enough, a cartoonist. Uh, in the 90s, the, they nostalgically looked at the 60s TV show and turned it into a dark and very funny comedy. It's directed by Barry Zonnenfeld. So yeah, don't, Barry Zonnenfeld. I'll stumble that again. Um, and it's got Angelica Houston wonderfully as Morticia. She's so good. Raúl Julia as Gomez. Perfect casting. Uh, Christopher Lloyd plays Festa, and it focuses on a um, the bizarre family of the Adams family, but also their long lost relative, Gomez's brother, Festa Adams, comes back, or does he? And that's the plot of the film. And it, it's great fun. It's very dark and um, funny and the Adams family are the flip side of an American family but they love one another and they all get on brilliantly and they get up to all kinds of uh, hijinks that alarm every normal person in their area um, and it's beautifully shot and really well acted and the lines are funny and I, I you can't get over how I can't stress any further how brilliant Angelica Houston and Raul Julia are as Morticia and Gomez this was um, a you know a very sort of acclaimed movie i think it was it was oscar nominated it 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 did ever so well 
unlike its sequel, because they did yeah. bring out a sequel, uh, Adam's Family Values. About two or three years later, and it didn't do quite so well, did it? But, no, uh, and, and I believe was the final movie of Raoul Julia, who died, I oh, think, did, yes. shortly yeah, after the making. It wasn't very old as well, yeah. No, and, and uh, I think it was sort of, it, it, there was a sort of a feeling really that for a guy with such an impeccable career, what a shame that his last movie was such a stinker. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but it's also, yeah. I should have mentioned it's got Christina Ritchie in it who obviously went on to do many things. She plays Wednesday and she's in Wednesday as well. Oh, okay. So I don't know if you realise that. But no, no I, I've, not, I've not watched it, but ah, I keep right. getting um, adverts popping up telling me that I should. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's on my list. It's great fun. Yeah. It's a, I think you can watch as a family, but it's also in itself is good. Uh, so whether you're watching it with or without youngsters, it's great fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it's, uh, yes, yeah, he, he was 54 um, uh, when he when he died. Um, and uh, Raul Julia, and yeah, this film was his final film. Although he then, his, he actually had one other release that he'd already made. This is the final oh, yeah. film he made. But then they released one other posthumously, Street Fighter. The movie oh. with um, Kylie Minogue and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, wow. So, so in what, fact, he had a finish. worse film than, than, yeah, than this I, one. Yeah, I get the impression he's probably been proud of the Addams Family. And, and to be honest, even the second one wasn't bad. Uh, but the first one in particular was very good. Okay. It's the 1991 first a- one. And one of them, but I cannot remember which, had music by MC Hammer. Oh, yes. The, yes, it's a run. The Addams Family Groove or something yeah, it was called? Yeah, it's the, it's the end sequence theme I think yeah it might have been the first one. it might have been the first yeah. one um, but yes uh, MC Hammer you can't I mean, touch this you don't really need to change the Adams Family theme tune because it is that good and that no. memorable but, but, but with MC Hammer rapping all over it yeah you know <laughs> for, for, he was I mean it was, you can't touch this wasn't it was, yes, uh, was his, the, his massive yeah. song and then he Stop had it's a, Hammer Time the, yeah the, <laughs> the album that that came from was called Please Hammer Don't Hurt Them <laughs> 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 with your singing <laughs> and he's now is he, is he uh, he's a priest of some sort now isn't he an evangelical priest I've got a feeling yeah he, he might be yeah. an ordained minister somewhere or yeah. other. Uh, but anyway the Adams Family the original well the original 90s one yes the one that rebooted the original it, because also more recently there's been an, um, uh, an animated version there has, hasn't there yes there has been uh, an animated version on the big version, screen correct. But, but this is the live action one from 1991 uh, and the yeah, good one. Barry Sonnenfeld, who then went on to do uh, Men in Black as well, didn't he? Yeah. And, and Did he do Rain Man or am I getting mixed up again? Uh, probably not. No, that was earlier, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Ask me stuff on the computer. Yeah, sorry, working. mate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just relying on your computer. I think it's another Barry. I think it was I think you're Barry right. Levinson, yeah, maybe? Yeah, you're right. Barry Levinson, correct. Uh, it, it, but by, yeah. ne- by the next edition of the podcast, this will have loaded up. I but, don't even uh, know why I throw these things randomly out there because I'm quite often wrong. But, uh, well, no, well, you, you were half right. You've got Barry. Well, I've got Barry. Uh, yeah, it was Barry, innit? Yeah. <laughs> My mate Barry. Yeah, Rain Man, which was Barry Levinson. Yeah, you're there you go. The guy who did Diner. Okay. That. Right, and uh, so that the Adams Family, 7pm film for Thursday the 11th of May, rounds off another week of movies. Uh, thank you, Howard Linsky. You're very welcome. Uh, if you had to choose one of those as your movie of the week, which one would it be? Well, oh, I'm sorry, it's going to have to be Master and Commander. You know, I know it's a war film, but <laughs> it's a very good war film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's. I mean, but you are being diverse because it's yes. not. It's not set on land in World War Two. That's true. Yes, I'm very diverse. Yeah, <coughs> thanks to a bunch of guys killing each other. But thank you for that. Um, the list of movies that Howard has just recommended for us to watch on TV. You can find the list in the episode notes of this 
this year's show of ours. You can also find it on our website at stalbanspodcast.com. We're also on the Twitter, we're on the Facebook, and we're on the the, the other one, the Insta Instagram. And we are at St. Albans Podcast and all those. No blue ticks. We ain't paying that musk bloke. That's great. No. no. Well, there's, only, there's only one original us. Yeah, exactly. But everybody knows it. I'm reasonably sure no one wants to rip us off. But, <laughs> but anyway, we are at St. Albans Podcast on all those platforms. Next week, uh, it will be the return of Chris Aikman into the uh, the film guide seat. I hope you can join him for that. Uh, we'll be back real soon. Howard, uh, take care. All the best. <laughs>